Okay, welcome. Welcome, everybody. For those who don't know me, my name is Daniel Noor. A pleasure to be with you here tonight. I'm going to teach tonight's class. Next week, we don't have a class because of Thanksgiving. And I'm going to be back for the, week, the following week as well. So the next two classes, the tonight and the following class. And then uh, I'm going to give you David back. Okay? So... Just for those who don't know me, um, I'm also a teacher here at the Kabbalah Center, part of the amazing team of teachers that we have. Um, and as you will get to learn different teachers as well, because we have some of them come tonight as an optional continuation after class for a workshop. We'll sit, some of those will sit at your tables. You will see an experience that every teacher is a bit different, and it's natural that some gravitate towards more one teaching style or another because we all have different experiences and different styles, um, which is part of the beauty of the diverse community as well that we have, not just different teachers, but all kinds of people from different backgrounds. So we celebrate differences here and diverse community. Um, something that I specialize in and really passionate about is diving deep, and particularly diving deep into tikkun. And the way I've been doing it, I've been teaching Kabbalah for almost 20 years, next year it will be 20 years now with the Kabbalah Center, started in Europe and then moved here. Um, and over the last five years, I would say, specialized particularly in a service that the Kabbalah Center has called Tikkun Healing. It's a one-on-one -on -one session in which I and we have some other uh, trained teachers that are also doing this service, we work one-on-one -on -one with people, real deep Tikkun work. We're diving in deep into limiting beliefs. We're diving in deep at times into ancestral beliefs that are inherited, family dynamics, hidden dynamics that we all carry and we don't even know that we're carrying them. Uh, and to identify that and to release that and to really experience breakthroughs. So this is something I'm very passionate about and, and open to explore one-on-one -on -one sessions with people and be in service in that way. Another way is having larger crowds and doing Tikkun Healing workshops. So we wanted to invite you also, this is coming up uh, in a couple of Sundays, uh, two weeks and a half, Sunday, December 3rd. Um, I'm going to partner up with a colleague of mine, also a teacher here, Michael Ocher, is also doing Tikkun Healing sessions, and Yudash Kanazi. And we're doing this Tikkun Healing workshop that is all around the topic about miraculous possibilities. I just sat today with Michael to prepare it further, and I'm just so super thrilled about that incredible value that we're going to deliver there. Um, and at the end, we're going to have a sacred sound uh, meditation around the topic of what we discussed the entire day. It's from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., lunch included. Uh, so the last hour of that four-hour workshop will be a sacred sound meditation with Yudash Kenazi. How many of you experienced that? How many of you were here at the new moon of Sagittarius and did the sound healing with Yudash Kanazi? Beautiful. So some of you got to experience that already. So that will be part of it as well. So as we go along, there always like monthly workshops or activities, and we're just going to share those with you. For those who feel compelled, we, you're invited to come and explore more outside of this uh, setting and classroom. The last thing that I'm going to say before we're going to dive in deep, because we have a lot of very exciting, important things to cover, um, we have a special gift for you tonight. So the mentors at your table hold these gifts. You have, might have seen them at your tables. They are the little, what's called Pinchas Zohar. We know that the Zohar is the main text of Kabbalah that is written in Aramaic. This is here also with the English translation. And everything that we teach from Kabbalah 1, 2, 3, and onwards is based on the Zohar or the writings of Dari, which are taking the Zohar and explaining it further. But the main text is really the, the text of the Zohar. And in the center, we learn that beside the beautiful wisdom that the Zohar contains, it's far, far greater than the wisdom. The Zohar, we don't view it as a book of information. We view it as an energy source. So it's one of the most fundamental tools that we'll use at the center. We will learn more about it, Kabbalah 2 and 3 and onwards. But it's also a very practical tool to connect to the light of the Creator. 
There are different levels to it, studying from it, certainly. Even scanning the letters, making eye connection, even if we don't understand it, just making eye connection with the letters. Our soul downloads this energy from our soul in the upper worlds. And we also learn that simply by carrying the Zohar, carrying the Zohar, the Zohar has life of its own. And by carrying the Zohar, it emanates that energy field around us. And that particular Zohar, that Pinchas Zohar, portion Pinchas, deals with the energy of protection and healing. So under the Zohar project that the Kabbalah Center has, there were students that are very passionate about it and donated towards the Zohar project that allows us to give out these Zohars uh, wherever needed. And with what right now going on in the world, we just in the last month or so have given out hundreds of thousands of these Zohars, including in the Middle East, but all around the world. Here in Los Angeles, we had an outing just last Sunday. We gave out thousands of Zohars in one day uh, because we truly believe that everybody that carries that Zohar brings in, it's like an antenna of light that brings in protection. So... There are packs of three. You're welcome to take one and get, take one for yourself. And there are two additional ones. If you want to give it to friends and family members, you're welcome to, to do so. And if you have more questions about it, uh, please feel free to ask your mentors and they'll be happy to elaborate and explain you more about the Zohar if you're interested. All right. We got all of this out of our way, and we're ready to dive into tonight's topic. How are you guys feeling about tonight? Woo! Yes! <laughs> okay. Um, so, we have covered a lot of things already with David from Kabbalah 1, class 1, 2, and 3. And we want to, I want to start with a little recap of what we've learned so far, or what do you remember so far, learning about Tikkun. Remember the term tikkun? Can you say it out loud together? Tikkun. Okay. <laughs> the walls are falling. Tikkun. What is, what is tikkun? In your own words, from what you remember, scream it out. What, what is tikkun? What does it mean to you, tikkun? Repair is the literal meaning, to repair. Clean up. Correction, to correct. To correct what? Are we correcting a washing machine, uh, our car? What, what kind of correction? What? Pattern. Vessel, soul. Patterns. Correcting patterns. Okay. Past lives. Okay. Beautiful. Yes. So, tikkun is that thing that our soul chose before coming to this world. So Saul was happily in the upper worlds. And someone came around and said, hey, I have an offer for you. Want to sign this paper? He's like, what is this? This is your soul contract. Like, okay, what does it entail? Well, you, you'll come down to this earthly world with a physical body, and you'll have lessons to learn. So our soul is like, okay, that's exciting. What kind of lesson? I don't know, you pick. I said, okay, uh, what's on the menu? Uh, fear of abandonment. Um, humiliation, um, forgiveness, um, let's see what else, uh, anger, <laughs> thank you, judgment, laziness, okay, 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 sounds very, oh, yeah, this is a, this is a good one, mm. ah. needing other people's validation, I would love to learn that lesson, yes, sounds exciting journey, to learn how to really be free and independent from the inside, regardless of what other people, like this human experience of complete internal freedom and being myself in this world where I can see and taste and, and have free will, unbelievable. Sign me up. Okay, so choose your parents. Hmm, which one will help me the most triggering my tikkun? Hmm, this one, this couple? Oh, it's like I'm the only child that give me all the attention that I need. It's like, no. Ah, this one, that household, where I'm one out of eight, and I'm constantly seeking the validation, and nobody's giving it to me? Perfect! Sign me up! And now all my life, we need to understand, everything is a setup. Anybody seen the Truman Show, the Jim Carrey? 
right? Everything is, is, is a movie, and we're the main director. We're, we're the main character. We don't know that. And everyone is a supporting force to help me to get to my tikkun. Now, the other people don't know that they are a part of my movie, and I'm part of theirs, and there's one perfect picture in it all. But everyone's life is geared towards one purpose, finding our tikkun and overcoming it. By overcoming it, we learn that not just that it's this heavy thing or that I need to change or to work on myself or to correct, but by learning the lesson in a proactive way, because that's what we learn in Kabbalah, that we can learn the lesson in a proactive way versus the universe reminding us and teaching us. We can seek it out proactively, learn the lesson proactively, and experience miracles. And experience miracles. That's by definition the miracle making that we learn. You want to know how to make miracles? Find something that's uncomfortable for you. That is a repetitive pattern. Dig deep. Find the root cause in it. Break that pattern. You're working on your tikkun. You will experience miracles. Because that's the only reason why your soul chose to be in this world. Is to get these lessons. If we're not doing that... And unfortunately, most of the people get distracted with other things. And let's say that person, that soul that shows the need for validation is the tikkun. Let's say they don't pay attention to that. And now that deep lack or that emptiness sits inside. But they don't want to deal with it. They avoid it. So they're learning and they're becoming starting something and, and they become successful in it and now they have a lot of people looking up to them and depending on them. And so it feels like I'm good, I'm successful, I'm independent, I'm free. But if that individual hasn't dealt with their tikkun, which is something that is internal, something will be missing for them. They will have everything. They will have, even have people look up to them. But they will feel empty inside unfulfilled. So here are some very good ways to identify tikkun. David shared with you the two types of tikkun, right? Before? Remember what were the two types of tikkun? Mirror tikkun and trigger tikkun, right? Beautiful. In short, whatever I see in another person and it bothers me, it means I have a piece of that. Therefore, it's a good way to identify my tikkun. Whatever triggers me, the light sent me a person to trigger that inside of me, so I, it helped me to identify my tikkun. Right? Beautiful. I want to give you a few more simple ways in which we, you can already start to identify your tikkun. And let me tell you this. This is an exciting journey. This is an exciting journey because becoming curious and interested to learn more about my tikkun. And it's normal that in the beginning we're confused. What is tikkun? How can I find my tikkun? What is it? That's all part of the journey. It doesn't need to be perfect. And we don't need to nail it the first time. People oftentimes come up to me and say, like, what's my tikkun? I have to find it. I'm confused. It's a journey. Start with one thing. Open up the the door, and see where it leads you. And you'll find more. It's, it's to discover ourselves. Learning about our tikkun is to discover ourselves. And once we transform something inside of us, let me tell you, and I'm sure you will experience it already to some degree in your life. Have you ever had an experience where you took something that wasn't pleasant, was uncomfortable, but you made the uncomfortable comfortable? That fulfillment of transformation this is something that no one can take away from you. That is something that lasts forever. So I want to highlight the ways to identify and then also to highlight the benefits of being on a path, of being on a journey to explore more parts inside of us. So we said that trigger and mirror tikkun, but another way to identify tikkun is Usually it will be something that's uncomfortable. Something that I don't want to deal with. I don't want to touch. Whether it's too painful, it's too painful to touch this vulnerable point. 
of not feeling loved. It's too painful to touch this point of, of hurt from the past. And now my heart is closed, which can be a tikkun. It's too painful to touch the points of fears, fear of loss, fear of commitment, fear of rejection. So it's uncomfortable. Usually it's a pain point and we don't want to touch it. Okay? That's, that's, when it touches that pain point, we know it's a tikkun. It's worthwhile, even though it will be... Here's the thing. Dealing with the tikkun is temporary discomfort. Not dealing with our tikkun is lasting pain, lasting suffering. Okay? So it's preferable to experience a temporary discomfort of dealing with something, but then the outcome is lasting fulfillment versus not dealing with it and it's real suffering. It's something that we try to avoid, and as it was said earlier, it's something that is repetitive. Right? So anything of a pattern that I identified has to do with tikkun. Has to do with tikkun. Now, really to highlight the benefits of working our tikkun is it strengthens our innate gifts. It's awakening our superpower. And I gave the example last night. Let's say someone's because tikkun, did David mention it too, that tikkun has two sides? That on the one hand, tikkun is addressing the areas of growth. And on the other hand, tikkun deals with shining our light and shining our gifts. Did he mention that? Yes. yes. Right. So, last night I was giving the example, let's say a person's tikkun, or the lesson that they came to learn is humility. Humility. Now, their gift and their power and their, tikkun, and their strength, which is also part of the tikkun, is leadership. Their innate, amazing, incredible abilities to lead, to inspire, to lead groups of people, charisma and, and, and communication skills and you name it. But the tikkun, areas of growth, is humility. If they're not paying attention to the humility and they're just emphasizing the great leadership skills, they will lead and inspire, but at some point the universe through people, through events, through circumstances will point out areas to work on, which is humility. How will it manifest? Maybe embarrassment, humiliation in public. If they don't listen to the message, the lesson is not learned, the universe will force it on them. That's a hard way of learning. The proactive, the alternative way of learning is, okay, I want to learn the lesson. And the more humble they become, the greater their ability to lead. Does it make sense? That's why we said working on our tikkun, strengthening our gifts and our ability to shine our unique light. It's really connecting us to our purpose, as we mentioned before. It's shortening the process. Right? So the more curious we become in dealing with our tikkun, even with temporary discomfort, it's shortening the process. So if I can learn the lesson of humility, I can learn the lesson of opening up my heart, I can learn all these lessons of letting go of judgment, I can learn it in three lifetimes, or I can learn it in three months. It's up to me. That's really all the journey of Kabbalah, what is about, is to learn the lesson in a merciful way, in a fun way, in a creative way, in a way that we are able to enjoy this path and this thing we call life. As we said, true lasting fulfillment comes from it, and we're going to also talk about how it's helping us to raise the voice of our soul, to amplify it. A lot of ideas, a lot of food for thoughts. I want to take one minute to turn to the person next to you and share in your own words the, what tikkun means and the benefits of working on it. The benefits of being on a path of looking inside and identifying and working on our tikkun. In your own words, one minute, everybody, please. So I want to, I want to pause for a second just because I don't want to go too fast and give a moment for anyone that has any question about 
tikkun so far? If there are any questions, uh, feel free to grab the mic and ask. Any questions about tikkun? Yes. Over there. Can you pass? Thank you. So let's say you correct all your tikkun or at least one of your tikkun and you feel like more powerful and you're ready to take on your life's purpose and everything. Does it ever end? Do you still get more? Does the next lifetime also have tikkun? Is somebody born perfect or is there always going to be something and then now we're just justifying, hey, let's work on ourselves so that we can feel more fulfilled? It's a never-ending story. (laughs) (laughs) There is an end, but more on that, uh, the end of Kabbalah one. Um, As far as we're concerned right now, uh, we want to be in a mindset of endlessly wanting to explore. Uh, And it helps to have this playful, um, joyful mindset around it, right? Rather, because it's really about how we choose to look at it, right? We can look at it as a, a, oh, damn, I got to do this, right? Like when we play a game, right? We can either have this attitude of like, okay, got to play this game, right? Or we can really get excited about this game, right? Life is a game. Tikkun is a game. There is an end. We're going to talk about it too. But while we're in the game, we want to be engaged, right? And we want to be engaged and we want to find the beauty in it, right? And Kabbalah can, can enhance that, can give us a perspective of life in which our personal experience is one of like, wow, there's so many lessons to learn. I discover so much more about myself. I learn, I discover something, and then I can share it with the world. Wow, I can't wait for the next thing to discover so I can share more and I can be even more fulfilled. You see, this is a perspective that we can acquire being on this journey. But it has its ups and downs. I'm not saying that my life is looking something like this. right? My journey over the 20 years with Kabbalah is more something like this. So there are ups and downs, but ultimately I feel I'm growing, I'm elevating. Yeah. And I'm still on the journey too, so it never ends. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Over there or here? Can you pass the mic? What does the word tikkun mean? To correct. To correct. Okay. To correct. What does tikkun and nefesh mean? The correction of the soul. Oh, okay. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Last question over there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Hi. Um, is tikkun always something that is, like with the humility thing, it's like, okay, you need to be more humble. Could it be something like not being a doormat? Absolutely. Oh my wow. God. Yes. Okay. Huge tikkun. Huge tikkun. Okay. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> we learn also a little bit about Kabbalistic astrology, which by the way, I know some people are like turned off by that or don't believe it. That's fine. Some people are super intrigued. We have all kinds of people in different crowds and different backgrounds. We do teach Kabbalistic astrology, which is Another tool, it's not everything, but it, it, it can be a tool and an indicator to give us a hint of what our correction, what our tikkun might be. Okay? So I'll give you a personal example. Uh, I'm a Pisces. In the Kabbalistic uh, astrology, it's the last sign of the zodiac. So the first sign of the zodiac is an Aries. So it's a, it has two sides. As an Aries, you know, your positive characteristic is like you're that leader. You have a huge ego in a good way. Huge ego, right? You believe in yourself, you can do things, but also, you know, issue of pride, anger can be there. As a Pisces, you're the last sign of the zodiac, which means to have the smallest ego, right? Which is, on the one hand, can seem like very spiritual, uh, you're so humble, but there's also the fake humility there, which can be the doormat, right? So the problem with the small ego is that people with a small ego, they don't believe in themselves, and then they create dependency on others. And then they're creating that pleasing mentality. And then I see my light only reflected through yours, but I don't own my light. Right? All of that is a very deep tikkun. So there's always a gift and there's a dark side to that. Right? When we overcome the dark side, which by the way, Moses was a Pisces. right? So he completely presents that perfection which is, he was the most humble man in the world, right? It's very interesting, right? Because it says in the, in the Old Testament, Moses is the most humble man in the world, 
Moses is the most humble. Who, who wrote the Old Testament? Moses. Does it make sense? Imagine like I would write now a book and say, I'm the most humble person in the world. How do you reconcile that? What a contradiction. Why could he say it or write it? Because he was a pure channel. It wasn't about him at all. Right? So he was a Pisces, but completely corrected. Means he was the greatest leader of all times, leading millions of people, right? But yet have that complete humility. I'm just a channel of the light of the Creator. Right? Right. Okay, so we're switching over. I know it's a lot of content, but I consciously decided to do it this way because we had to fit in this, this piece. Uh, which is very important. We didn't want you to miss that piece of content. Uh, going through Kabbalah 1 and not knowing about this, it's, it's unacceptable for us. So even though it might be a little bit a lot, bear with me. And, um, and after this, we will continue with a workshop style and with our teachers that are here. I want to move on to the next subject, which is all related and will make sense, but with a question to you. Very simple question. How many of you um, have something in your life that you know for sure it would be beneficial for you if you would do it, but you don't do it? <laughs> okay. Simple things, right? I know I should work out at least once a week, but I never get to it. I know I shouldn't eat that sugary stuff, but you know... Uh, that's the don't do, right? And all the things that we know we should do, we don't do it. How many of you have things that you know you shouldn't do, but you do it anyways? <laughs> okay, so I look at this crowd. It looks pretty intelligent people, right? Including myself, in my humble opinion, right? <laughs> and yet, what's the matter with us? What's the matter with us? We, is it, does it have anything to do with IQ? Are we not smart enough? And that's why we have these things that we know we should, but we don't. And we know we shouldn't, and we go ahead and do them anyway. Is it a matter of IQ? No? So what, what, what is it, if it's not intelligence? Well, here's the thing. In Kabbalah we learn that there's a force. There's a force created to help us to reveal our greatness. When we asked the light of the Creator to come to this world and to explore and to work on our tikkun and have that gift of free will, the Creator said, very well, I'll create an entity, a force, that its job is there to challenge you so you can truly reveal your greatness. Because imagine having things just handed over to you on a silver plate, no challenge, no resistance. You play any sport, you... you you shoot threes every, every time it, you score, no challenge, no whatsoever. Do you feel fulfilled? Of course not, right? So the Creator, in His goodness, created a force to help us. That force has a name in the ancient Kabbalistic writings. That force is called Satan. Not Satan, the devil with a pitchfork that Walt Disney pictures us, but an energy-intelligent force that we come in contact every day and it's actually a positive angel with a dirty job disguised as a negative force to challenge us so that we can earn the light. Now, if you're not comfortable with the name Satan, you can call it opponent, you can call it the adversary, you can call it the inner critic, whatever you want to call it, as long as we know what we're talking about. It's a force. It's nothing external outside of us. It's not your mother-in-law. <laughs> it's a force. Okay? Now, that actual translation of Satan means to, to disturb. That's the actual meaning of that word. To disturb. To agitate us. To confuse us. That's its job. And he's doing his job very, very well. For thousands of years, for thousands of years, we fall into this trap more often than not. How does that force show, shows up? 
might very well be the first thing in the morning. We wake up and something inside of us, a part of us, let's see what part, right? Part of us tells us, just two more minutes. Snooze. And from two minutes become 20 minutes. And then we wake up cranky. And then we feel guilty because we, we said the night before we will wake up on time. And again we didn't wake up on time. And now besides not waking up on time, we have this guilty feeling. Now we're taking this guilty feeling and this sense of lack. And now someone comes across and we're like, we're seeing all their flaws. And we have this voice in our head. And like, why they're showing up late, but I was late to all these voices in our head. That's Satan. That's Satan. When we make a mistake and we have that voice telling us, oh, you did something so terrible. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve that. You think our soul will talk that way to us? Not at all. The, soul, the voice of the soul sounds the exact opposite. Gentle, kind, compassionate, loving. So if anything in your head sounds other than that, you know it's not your soul. But the thing is that we're confused. Let me ask you this. Let me show you how, how much he's tricking us. Who is our greatest enemy? Of course, we of course. I. It's me. You see how we already got you? We have a big slide here on the screen saying, this is the opponent. I'm asking you, who is our greatest enemy? And you say, me. <laughs> Why is that force so strong? And what is its greatest job? Greatest job, and this is actually a line from The Usual Suspect. Anyone seen the movie? Yes? Usual suspect, Kevin Spacey playing the devil. And he says, the greatest trick the devil ever played on us was convincing us that he wasn't real, that he doesn't exist. Satan is very happy. Blame your friend. Blame your boss. Blame society. Blame the politicians. Blame others. Be the victim. Why is it happening to me? Complain about your problems. Perfect. As long as you don't address the real opponent, opponent is very happy. Don't expose me. The moment we start to shed some light, he's actually shaking. And don't, don't reveal me. Don't expose me. Don't expose me. Once we expose Satan, we expose the lie. And we can play this game with him. Satan, I got you. I, got, I, I see what you're doing. I see the game that you're playing. I made a mistake and you're trying to make me feel guilty about it. I get it. You almost got me. Not this time. Another time, maybe he got us and said, okay, Satan, this, this round belongs to you. You won this fight, but the battle ain't over. Play with him. He is relentless. Be relentless. Learn from him. Learn from him. Be curious. And guess what? Our Satan is perfectly tailored to, to us based on our tikkun. So if my tikkun is low self-esteem, the voices of Satan will tell me, you're not good enough. You see, they're doing much better. Why aren't you doing? You're not working hard enough. What are you doing? This will be the chatter. If my tikkun will be pride and entitlement, they're like, how dare they behaving like this in don't let them speak to you that way. Show them. Show them. You deserve to be treated. Everyone's Satan is different. And we cannot judge other people's Satan. When we have an argument, what is two people arguing? Usually two people arguing is just two Satans fighting. That's what it is. Two Satans arguing with each other. And by the way, if we know this, if it's a couple and we know the couple well, we can most of the time play the subtitles, right? We know each other's satanic programs. It's a reactive program. Once it's in, we know the words. Okay, now he's going to tell her this. And now she's going to answer that. Because it's on autopilot. 
It's a reactive system, a reactive program that's an autopilot controlled by Satan. And if we don't shed light and expose Satan and pause and claim our power and free will, we just that's the only free will we have, guys. It's the only free will we have. Everything else is programmed. Every time we expose Satan, we expose the reactive system, we choose a different program. We overcome the tikkun, and that program is filled with miracles. That program is filled with light and fulfillment. So only free will is to see what is my Satan program telling me, my reactive program telling me. To pause that, what is my soul telling me? What's the alternative here? He has also another name. We didn't put it up there. Some people call him Lucifer. You know what Lucifer means? Light bringer. Why would you call a devil, an evil thing, a bad thing, light bringer? Because that's his job. Ultimately, he wants you to beat him. He wants to be exposed. Because he knows that his job is to be beaten by you. Unfortunately, humanity is not doing such a good job right now. <laughs> and that's the, the power of teaching of Kabbalah, bringing awareness to individuals, ultimately collective consciousness in the world, so more people will access the proactive program inside, so we can create a better reality for us in the world. All right, let's pause here for a second. Any questions about this? Where's the mic? Thank you. Uh, Since you brought up free will, I've been thinking about this. Um, I get stuck on, you know, I I guess I'm looking for some clarity on the view in Kabbalah of everything's meant to happen the way it happens. Because sometimes it feels like, well, then what does it really matter what I do, right? Even though I understand, like, oh, our tikkun is here for us to conquer it and and to get stronger and to move close. Like, I, I get that, but if we don't ultimately have control of that, Sometimes it feels pointless. Um, but you were just saying the only free will we have is um, in try, deal, like choosing whether or not we're going to take on Satan in, in a certain situation, right? Yeah. So, so does that mean that... Um, I guess I'm just trying to figure out why exactly that is. Like... like um, I, yeah, I'm really bad. I'll give you a, a, not an example. Because that brings a very good question. Destiny or free will? Which one is it? Right? And the Kabbalist asks, both. They coexist. How do we explain that? My teacher, Rav Burke, would always give the example of you walking into a movie theater or the theater building and you buy tickets and you go into the movie and we start to realize, oh my God, this is, this is a horror movie. I don't like horror movies. Change it. Pause everything. Change the script. Change the director. Change the actor. Change it. Can we do that? No. The movie is already done. It's already in the theaters. Can't change that movie. So that movie exists. But what can we do? Walk out. Walk out. And go to room number two. Where there's this beautiful comedy, romance feel-good movie playing, yes, that movie also exists. So there are parallel universes. All the movies that we can imagine and cannot even all of them exist at once, at the same time. Which one am I choosing with every pause, with every identification of Satan and my reactive system and choosing something else? I'm switching to a different movie that also exists. And now we said, it's up to us and how long the movie is. Right? It's up to us. So we can learn these lessons in, like we said, three lifetimes or in three months. So with every choice, we can also shorten the process. Right. Yes? There's a lot of there's a lot of things that in the beginning, you know, it's like it's like when you learn to drive, right? In the beginning it's like you need to think about every move, right? And then it becomes automatic, right? Until, but, uh, but with tikkun, when you hit your next level, it's not automatic again, right? So really tikkun is like taking something, the best way to describe it is taking something that's uncomfortable 
and it be, until it becomes comfortable. And then you proactively seek out the next uncomfortable thing. Right? Yes. We're pretty privileged people sitting here. So, I mean, that makes sense for us. But what about some kid that's, you know, being raped by their father? Or, you know, like, if you're over in, in uh, some war zone right now, or, you know, what about those people? Because, like, what choice do they have? Right. So we're bringing in a bigger context here, much, much bigger context, and specific circumstances, right? It will be hard to answer it without more concept, without more context, because we're in Kabbalah 1 class 4. Okay. And I will also say this, that even when we get to answer these questions, which Kabbalah has answers to every question, still, our part is never to judge or justify when we hear our job, when we hear about misfortune, disaster, trauma, and tragedy, when it doesn't touch us, but we hear about others, our job, our spiritual obligation and responsibility is to feel the pain of others. That is our job. Okay. And I'd like to leave it with that for now, if that's okay with you. There are answers to that, right? There's so, the journey of the soul, which with our limited eyes and perception, what we see, it's easy to judge, it's easy to be confused, it's easy to misunderstand or to come to conclusions that there is no creator or the creator is not good, God forbid. But we learn in Kabbalah that there's way more than the five senses and our limited minds. There's a whole journey of souls and experiences in big picture that once we taste and tap in some of that big picture, at least is the pain doesn't go away, okay, per se. It shouldn't. We should still feel the pain. But there's a greater peace and understanding and acceptance of the bigger picture. And also, perhaps more of an urgency to pick up the pieces and to do our work. Because in Kabbalah we learn the reason why we learn it. The Kabbalah Center is not interested to fill another Kabbalah one class with another 200 people, 300, 500 people. That's not what excites us. It does. But what really we're aiming for is awakening a critical mass of consciousness, of people that awaken, that realize that when I hurt you, I'm hurting myself. We're in the process. We're in the process. But just the study of Kabbalah expands our consciousness and allows us to tap in more into that big picture. All right. We're running out of time a little bit. So I'd like to um, pause this part here because otherwise we'll, we'll, we'll lose ourselves and I don't want to lose the momentum. Actually, it will be a good time to introduce the workshop that you will be able to be facilitated with the mentors and with the senior teachers that we have come tonight. I mentioned that we have a great team of teachers here. We were very privileged in the LA Center. Um, beside David, myself, we have other amazing teachers, experienced, they've been teaching longer than me and David even, and worked one-on-one -on -one with thousands of people, have taught these same classes in various places all around the world. And they're here also to facilitate a workshop or discussion with you. Uh, there in the back, if you see them, we have Michael Ocher, who will be also part of the workshop on Sunday, Yudash Kanazi. Some of you got to know him from the Sacred Sound and the, when I asked you about the new moon of Sagittarius, some of you showed that you were there. He will also participate in the workshop. And Elisheva Balas, um, who is also part of this great team. Some of you might have heard her from the Weekly Energy Boost, the great podcast that her and David Guillaume are sharing together weekly. Um, and I would like to introduce you the, the workshop, okay? The idea of today's workshop. We would like to look into the trigger, the, react, the reactive behavior, and the tikkun. Okay? David mentioned a couple of examples here and there around it, but we would like to take it a little bit deeper and help you to recognize the differences 
and to really get starting the process, at least starting, creating an opening, even on a day-to-day -day basis, for you to differentiate what is a trigger, what is my react, innate reactive behavior or reaction to that trigger, and what's the actual tikkun, the lesson, the message that the universe wants me to learn. Does it make sense? Okay. So I'll give some examples and then we'll take it deeper at the tables for those of you who want to stay. Trigger can be a person, can be a situation. Let's say someone um, canceled a meeting, right? Last minute, I accommodate them. I made sure I can meet with them. Last minute, they canceled the meeting and I get that text message or that email. Last minute, and I changed my plans my entire day to accommodate them. They changed the plans, right? They, they cancel. My reactive behavior, anger, upset. Okay, that's the reaction, the natural reaction. I'm angry and upset. I'm furious with that person. How dare they? What could be a tikkun? Could be control. Could be entitlement. Could be pride. Right? That's the underlying tikkun. Okay? Another trigger. Let's say someone is ghosting me. Anyone ever experienced that? Yes? Ghosting? <laughs> ghosting me just disappears. I don't hear from them, right? And it's like my reactivity is like I'm judging them. Like I would never do that. This is so rude, right? So I become very critical, very judgmental. Uh, underlying tikkun and it can be a lack and an emptiness of not feeling seen or that I don't matter. Right? Maybe the trigger is I need to make an important decision and someone is giving me a deadline, maybe at work or on a certain project. And my reactive behavior is, uh, I'm going everybody asking for advice, or I'm, 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 I'm nervous, or I'm just like confused, or I'm procrastinating. Just put it away, put it away. I don't want to make a decision. Put it away, procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. What can be the underlying tikkun? Maybe a fear of commitment. Maybe a fear if I do this and commit to this, Maybe it will fail. Maybe it's a fear of failure. Okay, you see, so you see the differences? There's the trigger, which is really just sent by the light. It can be a personal situation. The innate reaction that it that triggers inside of me, which is not the tikkun, it's the difference. It's not the tikkun, it's my reactive behavior. And based on what we learned tonight as well, right? Like, based on my tikkun, my, my, my satan, the voices that satan is telling me, but what is the actual root cause? The difference between reactive behavior and tikkun is the reactive behavior is the effect. The tikkun is the root cause. So I can be working on pausing the same thing for 20 years. I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to get upset. Right? We learned the first tool in class one. Pause. Right? Pause. What a pleasure. Pause. I have everything. But now we want to take it deeper. Am I actually growing and transforming if I'm pausing the same thing for 20 years? And I'm constantly being triggered the same way and I have the reaction, but I pause it. It's a great start. But the pause, it's only there to give me the freedom so I can actually look at the actual tikkun and change the root cause. If I change the root cause, the trigger disappears. Or it shows up, but it doesn't trigger me anymore. That is a deeper transformation. That There's way more to say and to learn about it, but we want to at least begin the journey in inviting you to explore a little bit deeper. Okay. Quick, if it's a question. Yes. What if your energy just doesn't match somebody else? Say it in the mic. What if your energy just doesn't match somebody else? For example... I meet you and there's just something about you I don't like. Is it, what's the nature of the relationship? 
Because you meet someone and it's just such a negative energy around that person and you just can't get close to them. I would say there's a difference between what type of relationship. The reason why I ask is because if it's my mother, it's one thing, right? If it's just a person that I meet, a stranger on the street, it's a completely different thing, right? It's very important to choose our environment and that's one of the most important choices that we have. So if there's someone that I don't vibe with and I have a choice not to do, be with them or do business with them, it's my choice, great. I don't need to force tikkun. You understand what I mean? So your reactive behavior would be to avoid them. That's your pause. Not right? necessarily. Not necessarily. If it's just again, if it's just someone that I meet and I don't like them, and but I don't need to. I don't need to be with them, right? I don't need to work with them. They're not family related. Meaning the universe doesn't show me any sign that I have to deal with them. I don't need to put myself in a difficult relationship just for the sake of it. You understand what I mean? Now, if it comes to me, if it's a boss, or if it's someone that the universe shows me, no, deal, then it brings up something inside of me that I need to deal with. Does that make sense? All right, we are exactly at the one hour mark, so I don't want to make it longer. Um, We are... Assigned, right? So I'm also staying here and I'm knowing which table I'm at. Um, everyone else, you know at which tables and how we divide it? Okay, so why don't we come up and start it now? Again, we, it's going to be another 15 minutes or so for those of you who want to stay and have a group discussion and workshop at the table based on this. Uh, welcome to do so. If you said, I'm only here for one hour and that's what I sign up for, welcome to go. One second, one second, one second, shh, before we go, just want to leave you quickly with this that I haven't shared with you yet. Um, just like David, I have a community number. And if you guys would like to stay in touch or just receive uh, wisdom, occasional inspirational messages or updates, you can text to this number and be automatically opt-in to my community. Right? Thank you so much. And uh, no class next week, and see you next time.